2: This one goes out to the one I've left behind.
1: Welcome to an all-new episode of "So Bad It's Good" with Ryan Bailey. I am Ryan Bailey. It is Friday, or as we say it, Oh, <laughs> Oh, one dad joke already down. One day, it feels good. It feels good. Um, I'm so sorry this one is late, you guys. Uh, it wasn't here for you in the morning. I don't even know if who. I don't know who listens to these day and date um so you could be listening to this weeks from now and then it's not late at all so i don't have to apologize at all so uh but for those of, the, of those people that do listen to Day and Date, I'm sorry this is a couple hours late, but I think this is a perfect episode to listen to on the weekend. Now, this is our final episode of The Kardashians, their farewell season. This is the final curtain, part two of The Reunion, hosted by Andy Cohen, and I love this one. I thought the second episode of this was so powerful, and I'm not even joking. So we're going to—I'm going to solo recap that, and then I am so—we are so blessed— to have a Washington Post reporter, the entertainment reporter, Emily Yar. She is joining us today to talk about the Kardashian finale, plus other pop culture events. You guys, she profiled Garth Brooks a couple of weeks ago, and we go, we, go, I go into that. I mean, I, Emily is just so cool. She has my dream job. I can't write worth a lick, so it'll never be my job. But I look up to her so much. She gets to... Not critique, but like to point out pop culture stories. She gets to, uh, I don't know. I think there's just something to be celebrated. Uh, The people that can uh, put these cultural events pop cultural events into the written word and at an establishment like the Washington post, I I don't think you get better than that. And she's just a really nice person too. And I was lucky enough to be in uh, her article about the Kardashians a couple of months ago. And it really was a bucket list thing for me. I got to tell you, like I know I get sentimental about this stuff, but when I was a kid, I was talking to my friend the other day and I was like, uh, before even podcasts existed, you guys, I wanted to be a talking head. You know, like they, they would have like the best week ever on VH1 and like my or, or like we love the 80s or we love the 90s, you know, those shows, my dream was to be a talking head. My dream still is like I was talking to my friend. I said, I I would love to be a talking head in some kind of documentary about pop culture or some kind of like anything. Like if if any network is just trying to fill content, they just need talking heads. I want to do that. If anybody knows how I can do that, please let me know. Sign me up. I got to tell you, those were my heroes like that. I remember Paul Shear on best week ever always cracked me up. I I just, I was like, how do you get that job? I didn't want to be the person on the reality show or like I wanted to be an actor, but I didn't want to be Brad Pitt. It just physically wasn't (laughs) possible, but I did want to be a talking head. And I thought, you know what? I bet I could be a talking head someday, but there's not like a talking head school, you know, but I think that's what podcasting potentially is. It's like a a talking head school. Mm. How are you guys? It's been an intense week, hasn't it? I don't know if I'm just feeling that I guess we're out of mercury and retrograde retrograde Gatorade whatever it is we're out of that but I don't I don't know if I necessarily believe in any of that because it was out over two days ago and then yesterday was a pretty bad day for me I was very I don't know and oh uh, Medica reminded me to p- charge my crystals last night because it was a full moon and I always forget but yesterday I charged last night I charged my crystals in fact I got to go out and get them from my porch and um, I've never done that before. But, you know, as you get older, you're just figuring, like, why not? Let's see if this helps at all. If charging your crystal, let's see what this does for me. Yeah. <laughs> if it does something great. If it doesn't, I guess I just, you know, look silly putting a bag of crystals on my... And also, like, what do you... Like, I don't know. Was I supposed to, like, pray over the crystals before I put them out? Like, I felt I was like, do I put them in my hand and, like, say I want, I want to be successful and happy? I want to be successful and happy. So that's what I did. But I don't even know... I don't like there's not a rule book. I feel like there should be like a, a rule book or the government should let us know what to do when you're charging your crystals because I have no idea. People just say charge your crystals like I want to believe in crystals. I mean, to a degree, I don't want to be like Spencer Pratt with crystals where I'm like blowing hundreds of thousands of dollars that I don't have. But you know what I'm saying? Also, the Hills New Beginnings this week. Did you guys watch it? Kristen Cavallari came back. Um, and she does bring a good energy to the show, but it's still a piss poor show. Like, I am sorry, that is just not a reality show. And you can see everybody trying, and it's still in COVID time, so you can, like, every time they meet up, they can't meet up at, like, a packed bar, so it's only the same eight of them having to really overdo it. I think that is funny in any COVID season of a reality uh, show, is that everybody has to try so hard. So you see a lot of intercutting of, like... You'll just see a lot of, like, uh, shots of, like, people pouring drinks, people drinking drinks, people laughing, and they'll intercut all this footage to make it look like the wildest, funnest party you've ever been. But in reality, it's just really sad. It's like seven, eight people. Frankie Delgado is over in the corner. Sean Stewart is there looking confused. It's not—it's It. It's, it's just—it's not good. It's not good. <laughs> I'm excited to see full bars and scenes again, you know? And full bars and—it's it, so nice— and scary to be out and about i've said this but i i had dinner at this mexican restaurant the uh earlier this week and it was so nice like you feel like you're on the moon or something like you're readjusting to just sitting outside and watching a group of people eat indoors and it's it's really nice and weird and and you're kind of like you're waiting for the you're like, oh, no, I hope the excitement doesn't wear off, you know, because eventually you're just going to be, oh, I'm here at a Mexican restaurant, you know. But right now it's like the coolest thing in the world, even if the food isn't good. The food was horrible, by the way. The food was horrible. Um, So, yeah, I didn't do this yesterday. and And just sometimes I just couldn't bring myself to finish the pod last night. How it usually works is I'll do these interviews, and I, I had the interview done earlier, and I took notes on the Kardashians, and I'm going to do it now, but sometimes that's it's the last thing I do before I go to sleep is put the podcast together, and that's why I can be super silly at night because I'm usually tired, so it can be a little goofy. Uh, I know the Britney Spears one wasn't, and... Thank you guys to everybody that reached out to say that I handled that decently or with some respect, because that was really my biggest fear, because it still just horrifies me. And we know Brittany is on vacation. We saw her on her private jet with her boyfriend. Um, We know that, you know. We don't – it's just really frustrating the way the legal world or legal process seems to work is that this can be dragged out because now she has to file a motion supposedly to let go of her counsel uh, and to remove the conservator besides Jamie on the conservatorship. There are so many things that go into this, and it's so frustrating. I was reading somewhere, I think maybe a Bravo and Cocktails post, was that she had paid for every lawyer on that call that day and even the lawyers against her. I mean, just – I hate to get into this again because we're going to be talking about Britney, I know, for weeks and months to come. But think about that. Think about pain for your own destruction or pain for your own unhappiness. It's just a wild thought. And once again, I say, like, these pop culture figures are supposed to be aspirational, but there's not anybody in this world that would want to be Britney right now, I don't think. And I think that's – I mean, we definitely have a skewed way of how we view celebrities in this world. We treat them like kings and queens. But then something like this happens and it it just, I don't know, it, it just really sad. But I was just thinking what a weird fact that is, is that to pay for your own downfall in a way is just so gross. Um, and I don't know how the conservatorship is. I don't know if she needs to get approval to go on vacation. I don't know how all of this works. Um, and I'm sure we will find out more, uh, like I said, in weeks and months and years to come. But I just hate that this potentially might be dragged out. You know, like in a movie. In a movie, what happens is that free Britney speech. Britney gives her speech. It's this big moment. And then the judge bangs the gavel and says, Britney, you are free. And and everybody cheers. Everybody cheers. That's what you would see in a movie. But the reality of that situation is much sadder is that there, there is no gavel bang. It's ongoing. We don't know where the end of this is. And it's so frustrating because you're like, well, we see this so clearly, you know, and a lot of people were were writing into me saying like, well, she didn't sound that well on her, uh, you know, her comments at the hearing. Of course she didn't. Like I, I say, of course not. Like, of course, first off, you're you're nerve wracked. Second off, I'm sure she's on so many weird drugs and things like that. It, it It that does something to somebody, you know, this is lasting damage that will be there with her for the rest of her life. Um, but I think we all deserve somewhat, you know, autonomy, not somewhat we do deserve autonomy over our body. Uh, Brittany is not harming anyone. Um, but I do, I hate the fact that there is money, there is big money involved here. And I feel like that is clouding a lot of people's decisions where they're potentially not doing things in the best interest of Brittany or what she wants. I mean, her whole family, I mean, uh, you know, Jamie Lynn Spears lives off Britney Spears. Imagine providing for your entire family, and I'm sure the family thinks that they can rationalize this to themselves. Think about it in regards of your own family. You know, you might have an issue with your dad or your mom or your sibling, and you can rationalize that even if you're right or wrong. But this is this is different because now you have like big money involved. It's like me being mad at my sister is different than me being mad at my sister, because also my sister makes tens of millions of dollars and she hasn't paid me. You know, like there's just a difference there. And I hope we can all see that. And like we say with Bravo, we we hope to give Britney grace. Uh, we, we want to be understanding. We also want to take Britney's word for it. Right. We want to. What I need to learn to be better at too is to take things at face value. You know, if somebody says something, like even with that Erica Jane stuff, I'm still livid because I think that's like the biggest con job, what she's presenting on Bravo. But a lot of people are taking it at face value and saying, well, maybe we should feel bad for her. I don't know. At this point, I would never feel bad for Erica Jane because when you get into a relationship for money, or that is a huge factor of getting into a relationship then I think you kind of set sail on a different course where I would never potentially feel bad because it's different than marrying somebody out of love. Does that make sense? You know, if you're doing that for money, you also have to realize that's selling a little piece of your soul because you're saying, well, I really like money and things, which is totally fine. You can totally like that. But then you have to roll with those punches, you know? You have to then, you know, if you marry for money, then you have to go through it all because of money, the good and bad, the loss of money is is part of what you would have to go through as well. So uh, it'll be interesting, but I'll see it play out. I don't know. I see it really clearly, but also I'm totally willing to be wrong. I'm used to being wrong. I gotten to the point where I enjoy being wrong. And also I don't have that much skin in the game. I'm not one of the victims that he owes these tens of millions of dollars to. Those are the people that actually have uh, a real The real skin in the game, you know, is that these are the people owed that money, and I just hope we do not forget that. So when Erica talks about losing her Lambo and having to get a Range Rover and a three-bedroom house instead of a four-bedroom mansion, I don't necessarily feel bad, you know? Like I said earlier, like, come drive my Corolla, then I will then, by the way, Fast and the Furious, the new movie, Fast and Furious Nine, comes out this week. And like I think I said this earlier, I want to see what they would do if you just gave them Corollas. If you gave that Fast and Furious crew just Corollas, let's see how good you are at at doing tricks with your car. Then, then I would be impressed. If 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 you have Vin Diesel doing tricks in a, a uh, twenty nineteen Toyota Corolla, I'd be like, damn, that guy can really drive, you know. But until then, I'm not impressed, Vin. So, anyways, this uh, this podcast is late. but it went... So, I had a bad day yesterday, and I, I hope it's okay. Well, you know what it is my podcast, so I'll just sometimes say what I want to say. But, um, yeah, sometimes, you know, I, I have bad days. I have good days, like anybody. <clears throat> and I, I, I think the Britney Spears stuff, it really bummed me out. And also, right now, it's just sometimes my life is bumming me out. I don't really have much of a life. And I'm not complaining because the podcast really is this is my dream job. So, like, I... The fact that I get to do this on a daily basis is truly a dream. Like, and I know I say this to exhaustion. You guys are potentially rolling your eyes right now. But as it gets bigger, you know, you have to leave yourself open for more people to comment about things. And I don't know. The, the, the whole thing was. I am like you guys. I started off, I I still am in a lot of these uh, Facebook groups. I don't go on Facebook tons, but if I get tagged in something, I'll see it, you know, because I'm have eyes, and uh, I usually go on Facebook just to wish people happy birthdays, because it makes me, like, I want to wish people happy birthdays, because it's a great day if it's your birthday, you know, like, I want to wish you a happy birthday, so Facebook has this great feature where it tells you whose birthday is that day, and so I, I go on there to wish happy birthdays, and I, I see sometimes see that people tag me and things, and I was tagged in this group, Whispering Aline's, which is a big uh, group uh, of reality show lovers and stuff like that, and... I was tagged in it about a, a meme I made on Instagram, a silly meme um, that uh, Pet Shop Boy had made, and I had uh, put it on my page. But this really nice um, girl uh, said on it said, uh, and also, have you guys listened to So Bad It's Good, uh, the, the podcast? I think this is a really good uh, up-and-coming podcast, which is like, hell yeah, man. That's exactly – when anybody can shout this podcast out, it really helps because I am – I am late to this game, you know, like all the the Mount Rushmore of reality show podcasters in a lot of ways is already firmly established. You got Watch What Crappens, Danny Pellegrino, uh, Laura Marie Shane Halls, Kay Casey, uh, so many amazing podcasts that have been doing this for years and years and years. So the fact that I thought I could do this and come in late in the game. And, but we still, we still, we've, we managed to do it guys. We built something here, you know? So it's so cool. But every time somebody does that, it's, it's so helpful for the podcast because you might, Hey, maybe one person might see that and try it, you know, but my initial Reaction to some things like that just through childhood and being very insecure is to be like, oh shit, people are going to start bagging on me. People are going to start saying mean things about me. That's where my mind goes. I don't even see the compliment of this person, this really nice person saying, I like this podcast. Do you guys listen to it too? Which is just, if you think about it, how fucking kind and amazing that is but in my head i go uh-oh because i know how the internet works too the internet is a place where if you don't have something nice to say put it up online <laughs> so i was bracing myself i was like oh shit and i don't know how like, I, I guess i could probably remove myself from being tagged in the po- i don't know i don't know how to do i gotta learn how to do that but um so I was bracing, but everybody was really nice or let, like people, uh, I haven't heard it or I, you know, I have. And and I was really shocked. And then then it was like the one comment where I listened to it, but you have to really get through all of his dad jokes. And then, but I still listen to it. And you know what? That's totally true. I have a lot of dad jokes. I do. and And, but there's nothing, what's frustrating is that I want to please everybody. I've always been a people pleaser to my detriment. I want to make everybody happy. It pains me to think about you guys not enjoying something that I do, um, but I can't change my bad sense of humor, you know, like, I think I have a decent sense of humor, but I know it can have its moments, you know, but I saw that and I was like, it kind of bummed me out. And, but at the same time, I was trying to take it as a serious note because I want to give that person respect because I do respect that person. And I, I was like, that's still cool. She listens. She listens. You know, so I thanked her for hanging in, but I said, I don't know if I can really change my sense of humor, but I think I'll grow as this grows, you know, but sometimes also at late at night when I do these things, I, or I just try to sometimes make myself laugh or what I would find. And I I can, when I like myself, the best is when I'm silly, you know, and I, I know that might not be manly or cool or whatever the fuck we're thirsting over these days. Not that I'm, I'm ever being thirsted over, but Uh, you know, is that I, I, I like myself when I'm silly. I like to be like, I think sometimes being silly can take the weight of the world off of you. Um, or just not the weight of the world off of me particularly, but just how scary the world is right now, or even that Britney Spears stuff just floored me. So if I can be silly, I can almost get myself sometimes out of a funk or something, but I also want to but I also got to get a thicker skin. And I, you guys are my therapist right now, so I'm sorry I'm talking this out. I'll put a timestamp so you can skip right to the the Kardashian stuff. Um, but I do, do realize as this gets uh, bigger, and I hope it does, I have to have a, a thicker skin. I remember Danny mentioning this to me once about just how intense it can be sometimes because you have so many people being so nice to you, like ridiculously nice. And then you have those people that are critical, which is valid criticism you know you got to be able to take criticism I did that with acting so many years of taking notes you always say yes and to the note and see if you can do that the best to your ability but at the end of the day you're still going to be you and then there's some people that just want to be mean and just kind of see you hurt and I be- I get that as well I get that I see that I've been a part of that but that's the funny thing is that you know Somebody also mentioned like, oh, I can't believe you're on here or whatever. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm a bigger dork than everybody combined. I I, I am everybody on that thread. That is me. I've been on those threads. I've been the person pointing out a podcast. I've been a person being critical of somebody. So it is interesting to potentially be on the other side of that. So I don't know. That threw me off. And then I just realized, like, I don't want to put out the podcast last night. I just felt like I needed some me time. I needed... I just wanted to go to bed. It wasn't even me time. I just wanted to go to bed. I didn't want to stay up for an hour talking about the Kardashians when I just didn't feel good, you know. And there's – I've got so much content out there that I'm sure people are – you know – potentially intimidated
2: but once again like i said you don't have to listen to everything it is here at your
1: and i know everybody loves the monday show which i'm so me and sophie i think have have such a great thing right now but i would implore you and i know you try some of those other interviews i'm really proud of them i think each person has such an individual flavor and it is so fun for me to uh, practice my interviewing skills somebody had a note on there that was good of like it's so different between his um, just stuff that the stuff that he talks by himself compared to the interviews. And I love that. I love that I can be both. I love I can do the solo stuff and be a completely different person than I am in certain interviews. I think that's really well-rounded. And somebody gave me a uh, a, a comment of it. It was like uh, Entertainment Tonight reporter and extra sometimes. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's my dream. I love that. That was my dream. I used to practice before Billy Bush was like a fallen person because of the uh, the Donald Trump thing, uh, I used to, like, I, like, I'm Billy Bush, welcome to Access Hollywood, I love that stuff, so anyways, I wanted to be honest with you guys, and also I just wanted to speak this out loud, because when it's in my mind, it's not a great place to be, so I wanted to speak this out loud to you guys, and kind of explain my thought process, but overall, I also wanted to say, anybody that shouts this pod out, thank you so much, I do believe in this. Like, at the end of the day, this is what's great is that sometimes in my life, I have let things get to a point where i'll I'll quit because i can't uh I get sad or something you know like it's where I'll just be like oh i i don't it makes me feel bad it but this this is worth every time I push past my comfort zone. it's always been worth it. You guys have always made it worth it. And I really want this to grow. So if anybody ever does, thank you. Thank you for for pointing this out to your friends. And I know, I, I know I am not everybody's cup of tea. I know that. But I think I'm a lot of people's cup of tea, potentially. And we're growing together. And that, to me, is so exciting. I can't tell you. You guys are making a lot of my dreams come true. And so I just needed to get that off of my chest. Thank you for allowing me to vent or whatever that was. And now let's get into a family called... The Kardashians. So, you guys, we had the second part of this hosted by Andy Cohen, and we left off last week with Andy asking uh, Chris, you know, like, what, uh, when the relationship with Caitlyn... Yeah, baby, it's finally me time. Go! Woo! Have you forgiven Caitlyn for how she treated the divorce? And um, Chris says, you know, I think so. If I didn't work through those feelings... It would hurt me more than Caitlin. Yeah, baby,
2: Chris is emotionally well-adjusted. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Why? Why? They didn't want any star power at this reunion. Caitlin would have come and crushed. I would have done so good, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for inviting me, Mr. Cohen. Ladies. What's going on? (laughs) It's out of control
1: today. I was saying okay, sorry. Okay. Um, And uh, Annie asks Kendall and Kylie... You know, was it weird for you guys being in the public eye, having to uh, deal with your dad, Caitlin, uh, going through this? And Kylie says, I want nothing more than my dad to live life as her true self. But I mean, it is a transition, definitely. And I think we were younger then. And uh, growing up, we were so close to my dad. And of course, we had to mourn that person. But, you know, that we love the person she has become we're still very close but that's what i love about this family think about that think about how intense that must be because that was a very real situation to go through and i got i gotta say like i love seeing some of you know sometimes i feel like it's a little hippy dippy where they come out on the other side and they're very like therapized you know it's like well it just it whatever's gonna happen happens you know but i love that It seems like Kylie and Kendall especially understand what their dad has gone through and they love their dad and and really do want her journey to be the best one out there. And I think that is so mature for their age. And that is, I think, something when you are thrown into the public eye and celebrity, you probably do have to grow up fast. And I mean, but just also give them credit in this sense of. This is how they chose to deal with it. And they are coming out on the other end. We might think they're bizarre and insane and buying too many Lamborghinis each week. But what's the other side of that is, you know, we saw Lindsay Lohan go through her ordeals and her parents hurt her cause more than helped, you know. So I think sometimes we don't give that family credit enough for I mean, none of these families are are, none of this family is dealing with um, I don't believe like substance abuse issues. Um, uh, you know, their, their issues are usually with the men in their lives, but you know what I'm saying? I think that is just, it, it is something to be, um, looked at of like, wow, they have been able to deal with these huge emotional adjustments and handle them with grace and aplomb, you know? Um, so, uh, They also say it was hard to understand at first she didn't want to be this person that she was. Uh, But, yeah, they both want her to be happy. The whole family does. And Andy says, well, as a wife and a mom, it's challenging. But all of you, how did you get through that period? Um, And they say, well, when you have kids and they're so young, you don't want to share your feelings. This is directed towards Chris. And Chris says, yeah, you don't want to share your feelings when you have all of these kids to take care of. So, you know, you would you would go take a cry in the shower or have a martini and start over the next day. And I, I got to admire, I mean, guys, I got to say, I really, I admire Chris Jenner's strength. I mean, just like to be able to take that stuff to not wear it on your sleeve and to push forward is just truly incredible. I I really would love to get into that deeper with Chris Jenner. One day, Chris Jenner to me is a dream interview, like really a dream interview And I, I hope, I hope she has those moments where she sits back and is blown away by herself and what she has created. I mean, probably not because successful people usually don't like kind of rest in their laurels ever, but I think it would just be, I mean, just God, I really have so much respect for this. I know we have problems with the Kardashians and stuff, but you've got to admit, this is just
2: so bizarre what they managed to have happen.
1: Uh, Chris says, I was so naive and uneducated in this area, I realized I wasn't considering what Caitlin was feeling at the time. She wanted to be this person since she was four, and this wasn't communicated with me, and I want everyone to find their true happiness. When I see her talk to Caitlin, it's still friendly, and you know they come to me for business advice. She says she talks to Caitlin's friend, Sophia, who we've met on the show before. Uh, all the time, it's good, and I try to keep it that way for the kids. And Andy says, well, you set a great example on how a family can come together. And it's really inspiring to watch, Andy says. And Chris says, I don't think we could do it without each other any other way. And really, that is the thesis statement. If we are to believe what this show propagates is it's all about family. So that statement rings completely true to me, you know, and but you do have to it's very, you know, because Caitlin had to live her life, uh, you know, as a lie for a long time or not being able to hit her true desire. She had to hide for most of her life. And it is such a dark thing to be married to somebody and to hide this from them. If that's really what was done or where to believe exactly what Chris is saying. It's um, you know, that for Chris, you know, I've seen that, not that particular situation, but I've seen relationship things take down people, for the count, you know, like they're done after they're, they've been so abused by their male or female counterpart and it takes them down. But Chris, to be able to get through this with her head held high and to also
2: celebrate who Caitlin is celebrate me, baby. Whoo, I like to mini putt putt and drive on the PCH and run for governor, baby. Yeah. Ooh, that was a sec. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, but Chris yeah I, I I gotta hand it to Chris I, I I'm very impressed um so they they now talk about Courtney's passions and being made fun of and work because my rap on Courtney is I think what her rap is Courtney doesn't like to work. Courtney is and Courtney says, well, she's like, I know not selling. I don't want to sell products, but lifestyle The my lifestyle I love is something I'm passionate about and I want to share it with people. And I get to work with my friends at Poosh and my sisters and I'm in a happy place with my work. Once again, I think. Poosh is doesn't really exist. It's just something they tell Courtney. So she has like a pet project. And now Courtney's like, my work is loving Travis Barker. I am in the Travis Barker loving business, which, by the way, they look extremely happy. I am like they do. I think they they seem I do not love the constant shoving it down our throats because I just find them kind of both boring, even though you guys are thirsting over somebody with tattoos all, all over his body. Like, I'm not going to get a face tattoo. I'm just not doing it. By the end of the summer, I definitely will get a face tattoo. That is definitely, I this is definitely happening. I won't do it, folks. I'm definitely going to do it. Um, But I, Courtney really is. I think there are certain people that are also potentially damaged earlier in life where, you know. They're like, okay, I have so much shit in my head that at this point, if I can just ride out the rest of my life and just have fun, I'm going to do that. I've earned that. And I think potentially that's a little bit of Courtney's uh, philosophy on life. But I think the poosh thing is just to make her feel better because I don't know. Is anybody talking about poosh? Like we talk about goop, but also like a lifestyle brand right now when we don't really when we're coming out on the other end of really not having much of any kind of lifestyle. So. I do like that it's pointed out that she's not as hard of a worker as her sister. Andy goes, right. So your passion has changed. And uh, then Andy Andy goes, Kim, were you unduly hard on your sister? And she goes, I think so. Um, And Courtney says, yeah, Kim thought it was a race, but it's not a competition between the brands, but between each other. Kim says, well, me and Chloe, we encourage each other in business and we didn't realize or have the woke moment about Courtney, not having the same passion or drive. Which is totally understandable. It takes all kinds. Uh, Andy goes, do you still stand by the quote, Kim, that the other girls don't have the same work ethic as you? And Kim goes, did I say that about everyone? And he goes, you did. And Chris goes, well, you got to take that one back, Kim. And Kim goes, yeah, I don't stand behind that. And I have now grown. It doesn't matter that their work ethic is because it's their life. I don't stand by half the shit I've said in the past, she says. Andy asked Courtney, Do you think your sister's learned about parenting from you? <laughs> her kids are wild, except for that little Penelope, who I said is like an old soul. She literally sees the future. You can tell. She is like, you can already picture her as a grandmother on a rocking chair going, I see into the future. You don't want to go down that road. Um, She goes, I don't know. And I don't know, Andy, Chloe and I, Chloe and I do things pretty differently. My kids, if they're having a hard day, they don't have to go to school and have, they can have a me day, a day with me. I'm a little more lenient. Um, And Andy goes, does Courtney use the parent card to get out of work? And Chloe goes, yeah, of course. But I don't know if it's necessarily a bad thing. Um, Chloe goes, you know, she lets her kids lay in bed all day and watch movies with her. Um, Then, uh. And he goes, we couldn't get Art Vandalay out today, so we got one better, Scott Disick. And then Scott Disick walks down. He has the, you know, dyed blonde, bottle blonde hair. He looks just, he looks, he looks bad for Scott Disick. Scott Disick is a very attractive man. He looks bad to me. He looks grungy, but not in a good way. Unkempt, maybe is the word. Uh, somebody that's trying for youth that is not there for him any longer, uh, and then Andy gives him the softball. Scott, do you have a favorite prank? And he goes,
2: "Yeah, all of them. You know, that's uh, 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 you know, any anyone on Chris was good. You know, uh, the art Vandalay that was great." And then
1: uh, Chris says, "The art, yeah, the art Vandalay was great." And they're like. Oh, what about Todd Cranes? And they do a flashback of the Todd Cranes prank of
2: this is Todd Cranes. This is Todd Crane."
1: And you forget these moments in the show when it was like they were actually not mega celebrities. And it was it's kind of nice to see remembering where this show started and where they started. Um, and he goes at the beginning of the series, you and Chloe didn't have a great relationship. And Chloe's like, yeah, I had to go to anger management because I hit him once. And Courtney says, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you thought Scott was a sociopath. And Chloe says, well, it shows how close we really are now. I love him and want the best for him. And he really is the best guy. Um, and then Andy just comes out and says, Scott, why why do you date much younger women?
2: And he goes, uh, everybody gets this wrong. Every, You know, I don't go out looking for young women. They happen to be attracted to me because I look young.
1: And Chris goes, you tell him, Scott. <laughs> it's just... So bizarre, so bizarre. And Andy goes, "How do you feel about sharing your struggles with sobriety on the show?" And he goes, "Like,
2: well, it wasn't anything I can hide. You know what I mean? It's obviously not giving me what I want. And uh, you know, now I'm trying to be the best guy I can be, the best dad. You know, make up for, you know, the times that I've missed. I do regret the person I was to Courtney and everyone.
1: And um." You know, Andy goes, are you afraid to show your struggles with substance
2: abuse to your kids from the show? And uh, he's like, yeah, no, when the time comes, you know, I've told Mason a little bit, you know, but I got to re- you guys, they
1: left out the episode where somebody ratted on him for going to rehab, remember, and we saw a clip in the preview this is how deep I am in on the Kardashians. You guys probably don't know what I'm talking about. But there was a story that broke where he had checked himself into rehab, uh, I think, last year or during quarantine, I think. And then somebody released a photo of him and it was like against their But then we saw a little uh, clip of this in the season, but they never aired that episode or aired that scene, which is just so interesting and shows how insular they must have decided against it at the last minute. Who knows? You
2: know. Uh Scott also goes, you know, the kids will have to know, you know, this didn't do any good for me. The only route this will go is nowhere good. Um
1: and uh Andy goes, Gina from Ithaca wants to know if you had a sh- if you if you think you had would have had a shot with Courtney if you maintained your sobriety. And Scott's like, yeah. And Courtney goes, yeah, probably. And Kylie laughs and goes, ha, 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 this is so deep. It's really deep. <laughs> like she's like kind of shocked that they're talking about this out loud. And to me, that was a very real moment. I love I get chills at real moments. I don't know if you guys are the same. I was just like, oh, my God, that is so real to me. Because that's when you show that this shit really does happen in that family. Uh, another question. Have you slept together the last five years? Um, you guys even traveled together. You're telling us you have not hooked together. You've not hooked up any of those times. And Courtney goes, we really have not. And Scott goes, how annoying. And Courtney says, you know, we are great fan- friends. We are great co-parents. Scott goes, yeah, we're family. We always will be. Scott is saying this half-heartedly, you guys. You can tell his soul is not in it. And that's what I'm picking up is that he's saying the right things. But I don't think the – I don't think he believes it, you know? And uh, Andy asks, Courtney, was it the drugs or the infidelity that was worse with Scott? And Courtney goes, I only knew about the infidelity at the end. So the substance abuse was the deal-breaker. And Andy says, was the um, drinking leading to the other bad behavior? And Scott goes,
2: yeah, you know, I wouldn't have done those things if I was sober. But, you know, I'm not making excuses. Um,
1: and Andy asks, is a, monogamous, uh, is a monogamous relationship what you aspire to? And he goes, yeah, you know, I was young. I didn't know back then. And Chris says, how old were you when you started filming? Uh, you were Kylie's age, weren't you, Scott? Um, And then Andy goes, seems like you get upset when Courtney is linked to other guys. And he goes,
2: no, 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 that's not true. I just want to kill him.
1: And everybody laughs. And he goes, well, the last guy, no one even liked. Remember the last guy Courtney dated before Travis, that young douchebag? And Andy goes, point blank, to Court and Travis, this is the first time we get Travis Barker's name mentioned, have your blessing. And he goes,
2: ah, you know, I mean, yeah, man, if you really love someone, you know, right, you want them to be happy no matter what. So I do give my blessing to be happy.
1: And Courtney goes, thank you. And Andy goes, well, do you do that to Amelia? And she goes, yeah, to whoever would make him happy. Like, you can tell Courtney is You know, Courtney loves Scott, but Courtney has moved on from Scott fully. And it's one of those things where you want to make sure the person you care about is okay. So Courtney just wants to make sure Scott is okay. Like I do believe that wholeheartedly is that she is not in love with Scott anymore. She'll always love Scott, but she's not in love with Scott, but she definitely wants to make him happy. Or it wants to see him happy and the right things. But I got to imagine it is frustrating, though, when you want somebody to be happy and they're not giving themselves the best shot. Like, I don't think being with Amelia Bedelia is the best thing for uh, overall happiness, if you know what I mean. credit card not start the show over again this is just to delineate that i am talking about our sponsor today better help i've been talking about them the past couple of weeks and i could not recommend them more this is a service that is going to pair you up with a professional licensed therapist all you have to do is reach out and they will get back to you within 48 hours now this is a service that i actually use that does help me and i could not recommend it More, Especially in this day and age, who at this point wants to drive anywhere unless it's to see your friends and have a great time. This is a great way to do this in the comfort of your own home. And what's so cool is right now, if you visit betterhelp.com forward slash so bad, they will give us so bad. It's good listeners, 10% off your first month. And I think that's just amazing. It's a good way to try something out that I think is going to really help fulfill you and get you to lead a better life. And you know, we get a little discount. So that's amazing. So once again, go to betterhelp.com forward slash so bad. And now back to the show. So uh, yeah, the next thing is, uh andy asked do you believe the kardashian curse exists so you guys there's a kardashian curse thing where it says all the men fail because the kardashians get involved and kindle says what i don't like about this narrative is that the blame is on us the men need to take the responsibility we are all grieving we are all giving and caring women and then there are the men in our lives and we love them we give so much so it's almost offensive to say this and Chloe says, Yeah, they're blaming women for men's problems. And Kim says, Well, Kanye is still doing pretty well. And chris starts launching into stats of like yeah we've had three super bowl winners two grammy winners. like she goes into these stats of all the men like it's like some fortune 500 company but in a way you know she points out that this is ridiculous and court uh, andy asks scott do you feel there's a kardashian curse
2: and he's like no i mean and
1: he looks completely like a broken man
2: i'm the only one that stayed around you guys for a long time and i'm not doing well he i love they like do you feel like there's a kardashian curse and then they get a shot of scott and he looks unwell
1: he looks completely under the weather. he looks just not well and i just thought it was great like he's the only one around them and it's like looks like all of his life force has been sucked out of his body <laughs> no i feel
2: good i feel really good help me if anybody free me free me free me
1: um Kindle is when I – so Andy then, as we go to move to Kindle, uh, says, you grew up on this show and you're now the highest paid supermodel in the world. And she's like, when I grew up, I was a huge tomboy. I loved my horses and what sports I was playing. But over time, the supermodeling happened really natural. Uh, I was 10 years, I can't say I was dreaming at it when I was 10, but when I was 14 or 15, uh, it started with me loving to take my own uh, photos and photography, uh, taking pics of my friends, probably nude pictures. We, By the way, I would have loved to have gotten the, the question from Andy of, Kindle, there's always been rumors about you being bisexual or a lesbian, which I would have loved if Kindle, like, because there is nothing to be ever ashamed of about bisexuality or being gay. I mean, it would have been imagine if if this if these rumors had always been true that were floating out there about Kendall which you know she's obviously has a boyfriend now and a string of nba players she's been linked with but also there's nothing wrong with being bisexual i would i would think it would you would need somebody like a kendall Jenner to come forward to to show uh, kids and things like that 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 that's a natural part of life you know that there's nothing to be ashamed of. i always I, I think I've told this before, but I was when the, uh, there was a huge, it was a Sunday. I remember. And there all of a sudden the internet was a buzz of, you know, uh, Kendall Jenner has a huge announcement coming forward. And Chris Jenner was like, what Kendall's about to tell you, I am so proud of. And then it turned out to be a proactive commercial because she admitted she had adult acne. And that was like the most shamed I'd ever been because I was like, holy shit, this is going to be the first thing in Kendall's life that I actually love that she did. And then it turned out it was just a proactive commercial. Um, and by the way, I talk about that with Emily, our guest, in a sec, about, I would have loved to have also gotten that question about, like, Kindle. why do you always get the shittiest products to represent? Why do you always seem to miss the mark on that? Um, Andy asks, what would you do if you weren't modeling? And she says horseback riding for the Olympics. She still has two horses. Um and then he asks, what, what do you say to people that said you use your platform as a Kardashian to become a model, and you didn't really pay your dues? And Kendall says, again, that topic is offensive. Friends and family know how hard I work. I went to every single casting. I ran all over New York City and Europe trying to get a job and make my way, and of course I had a platform, but it almost made my job a little bit harder because people didn't really want to hire me because I was on a reality show. And she's like, I took my last name even off modeling cards to be taken seriously. I wouldn't let them, wouldn't let my family sit in the front row at events and the perception is i just snapped my fingers and it happened and you know i get what she's saying i get that she thinks she worked hard in terms of you know castings and stuff but at the end of the day she's not going to ever be able to go far from the fact that there is she was a kardashian you know even if you take your name off a card people know who you are and it could work against you in some ways but also you gotta understand that it'll always have helped you in a lot of ways i'm not saying she didn't work hard but of course it helped Of course, it also helped that I don't personally find Kendall attractive, but I know she is considered attractive. That also helps. Like, it's all of these things in, you know, in one kind of thing, you know. Um, Kendall, do you only date basketball players and do they have to be good? Andy asks. And she said, no, if they did their research, I'm not ashamed that I have a type. And, uh, you know, I love basketball. And Andy asks, what's happening with you and Devin Booker? And she goes, well, he's my boyfriend. And Andy goes, you kept your relationship out of the public eye. And she goes, yeah, no offense to my sisters, but me and Kylie had to watch them go through all of their relationships publicly. But, you know, my preference has always been personal from a young age. And it makes life a lot easier and my relationship's a lot better. And it's not for others to judge because it's a private thing. And I think that is so uh i I agree that is so dead on, and I really do have respect for Kindle in that sense because you know the older Kardashians have put their relationships through it, you know I mean, and I think that's why potentially you wouldn't see Travis Barker unless he's just a thirst monster, which I hope he isn't, but I'm starting to think he might be you won't see Courtney and Travis on a reality show together because I think she saw what that potentially did to her and Scott um but yeah, the rest of them did put it out there so hard. And, you know, we saw that with Chris Humphreys. I mean, these things did not turn out good. So, of course, they're... I mean, I love hearing that, yeah, me and Kylie did see that. And we made a note of that. I thought that was great. Um, so now we get into the Chloe section. How has Chloe changed since season one? And Chris says, well, Chloe has built an incredible confidence that comes and goes. But she is so beautiful and such great shape and has so many great qualities inside and out that I think that at the end of the day, she just has to learn how to believe in herself. And they talk about Chloe's good American denim line to make sizes for all women, to feel beautiful. Um, and shes I think the question is, do you feel bad for not believing in yourself? And she says, you know, I've, I've been confident. I was confident before the show. And I remember Court and I would be in the background of Kim's photos and just annoy her. But then all the Perez Hilton's and all the blogs at the time, the narrative all of a sudden became that I was fugly. And I wasn't aware of that because I, I had no clue how the public was going to perceive me. I, I thought I was beautiful. I thought I was hot. I would try to wiggle into the same size dresses as Kim did. At the time, I didn't know how much bigger I was, and I became insecure because of how people treated me. We did so many photo shoot, photo shoots that they would give Courtney and Kim racks of clothing, and they would give me two to three pieces of clothing. And they said, don't worry. we'll you'll be in the background, and you don't have to worry about it. Um, Do you think your sister or your mom take you more seriously now that you lost weight, Andy said, and Chris steps in Chris steps in and she goes, um, you know, kind of, and then Chloe goes, no, I don't think they do, but everyone else does, which I understand. But that's why I speak out about size inclusivity and I want stores that carry good American to carry my full size range uh, because I will fluctuate or I, at the end of the day, I just want people to be healthy. And then this question asks, do you think you're promoting unhealthy standards of beauty? And Kim jumps in and goes, no, no, because we, we get up, we do the work, we work out. And Kendall says, we all really enjoy taking care of ourselves and being happy, being the most healthy versions of ourselves." And I see what they're saying, but they're wrong. Because there is plastic surgery involved, there is, you know, and they do take care of themselves, but they also have the ability to do that because of the lifestyle that we afford them. So it is wrong in that sense. They do promote unhealthy beauty standards, period. I'm glad that they are able to tell themselves this to get through the day, but they do. They just know they, they definitely do. Um Andy says, people are putting stuff out about your paternity, even Chloe, which I was like, damn, they're going to get the. Because the, the rumor about Chloe is that she has a different father than Robert Kardashian. People have said OJ. People have said Chris's hairdresser. And Chloe goes, I just have to think that among everything else, you know, or Andy says, I can't imagine everything else, what you've gone through. This might be the most painful thing. And Chloe goes, I've heard that since I was a baby. I must have a different dad because I don't look like the other ones. And then Kim goes, she has more Armenian in her. We did the 23 Me than we do. And Chloe was like, that doesn't matter. People always question that I can't be their sibling because appearance, because of genetics. And that's the part that always is stung. And But Chloe goes, but I'm immune to that part currently. <laughs> And Andy goes, has there something been written about you that is not true? And she goes, yeah, you know, people have said I had three face plants. And then this is coming. Kind of, she goes, I've only had one nose job from Dr. Rush konoja And people ask me, oh, everybody gets upset. Like, why don't you talk about it? And Chloe goes, well, you're the first person to ever ask me, Andy. I'm like, okay, you're walking on a thin line here, Chloe. And she goes, yeah, you know, and I sure I've had injections, but not Botox. I re- I respond horribly to Botox. And then Andy asks, do you think you're more or less secure when the show started? And she goes, when the show started, I was secure. But then during the first couple of seasons, I became less secure because of the public opinions. Then I had a good run of being secure, and just recently I'm insecure again. And I totally respect what she's saying here, and I I feel like that. That's like mental health, you know, is that you have good runs, and then you have a, a slip-up or a backstep. And it's one of those things you have to constantly work on. And that's why I, I've said it before. It's like mental health or anything, like image, body, all of these things. It is a lifelong battle, and that sucks because other people just don't have to deal with that. I'm sure they just— they deal with other things in their life, but it, it's a bummer that, you know, you have to deal with these things and, you, you know, it does overall suck. And Chris says, there's a crazy environment on the internet of bullying that is so bad. We know the stats and the suicide rates when they do it anonymously and can say what they want. It's so cruel and so bad for someone's mental health. We've been on 14 years. It becomes more and more compounded. Sometimes it's a roar and that's hard. I totally get this as well. And I've contributed to this. I make memes about Chloe, um, but also... I do have to say that is I go back and forth on this. I sometimes think this is part of the the thing that you've signed up for. I do believe people can do memes or jokes with like a a style in a sense. And some people are just like, you're fat out, but ugly. And I hate you, which I think is just the awful part of that. But this is also stuff I'm telling myself to keep being able to make the jokes I make, I guess. Um, But I always say it's like, well. You know, try to stay off the Internet if that's going to bother you, because that's not I don't see I don't foresee the Internet changing. And you've you've lined yourself so up with the Internet like you are guys are in a in a unhealthy relationship from the beginning. So it's very much on their end as well to do things that will take care of their mental health if it does bother them. Um, we get brought Rob gets brought up in the last couple of seasons. He's come back kind of he's vaguely made appearances. Um they say he's getting stronger, he's feeling good about himself, working hard on himself before he does uh something he, he likes. Uh, I I think he's like he's going to start fresh soon she alludes to. I mean this feels very by rote of like what will we say when Rob, it's asked about Rob? And Andy goes it must be hard co-parenting with someone who is suing the entire family in regards to Black China. And Chloe goes, I'm sure it is. I know he feels really guilty, but none of us make um, him feel weird about that dream. The baby is amazing. And we have never blurred those two. We respect that China is the mom of that child. We never make Rob feel guilty. Uh, that's out of our control. Is he dating? Yes. And Andy goes, I was going to suggest Malika. And they're like, oh, been there, done that. They did hook up at a certain point. And then Andy goes, where does things stand with Lamar, Chloe? And she goes, we're not in touch, but I wish him nothing but the best and good health, and I want the best for him. Would you still get married in such a short period of time? And she goes, yeah, I love that chapter of my life, regardless of how dark and crazy that it it became. I wouldn't change that. It was meant to happen, and it happened. What does it mean that Lamar has been vocal now about his mistreatment of you? And he goes, our marriage ended without a lot of closure. You you know, we were not able to have closure, and it felt very incomplete. And finally, you know, with his acknowledgment, I'm able to get a little of that closure. And, you know, before then, maybe I always thought maybe I didn't do enough as a wife. So it was the, finally that validation to move on. And he goes, moving on to Tristan, before you found out he was cheating the first time, did you suspect— And she goes, no, I didn't find out until two days before labor, which still blows my mind. You guys, I didn't have enough time or energy to process what was happening. I just wanted to have my baby and it just happened. And Andy says it was one of the most surprising moments in the delivery room. Your family is surrounding you, protecting you. Tristan is in the same room. And she's like, you're able to see the greater good and putting that aside, what it's like to watch that is an out-of-body experience. She goes, I don't remember being in the delivery room, but I knew my daughter would want to see her birth video one day, I hope. And this isn't about me. I don't want it to affect my child. And Andy goes, that's incredible. And Kim says, yeah, truly, it was incredible. You know, she is the calmest, the bravest, calmest, most honorable person I've ever met, I thought, in those moments watching her give birth. And then Andy goes, Beanbag Lover 23 tweeted, how do you know he won't cheat again? And Chloe goes, it was done again, because that was the the um, the Jordan uh, issue And she goes, he goes, why take him back? And she goes, the first time when I had true, it was strange. And now I'm living in Cleveland, I'm in the media storm, I couldn't face going home. Um, and there were all these paparazzi, I needed to be alone with my daughter, and I had three months months alone with true. And Andy goes, it seems from social media, you are back together. And he goes, well, she goes, season 20, we weren't, but he's a great dad. And we became good friends. It was a natural progression. It's not what I would encourage of others, but it's natural for him and I. And he goes, do you trust him? And she goes, I trust him as a friend. When I need to find out things, things will come my way. I need to focus on the day to day. I can't worry. I know the growth and the work that he has done on himself and the help and the constant efforts he makes and how hard he fought to get back to me. Currently, I don't know why he would do that if he wasn't serious which is just so dark because we know the next day it came out, you know, all of this shit about Tristan and all of his behavior. It's, I mean, I think he's permanently damaged her for life. What a fuck job. I mean, just really what a nut, but what, what, just what a, what a, what a horrible, horrible person in that capacity of his life. Just somebody that shouldn't be allowed to be in a serious, committed relationship. He might be good on the court or he might be good. in other. He might be a good dad. I don't know, but I can't imagine that's a good example for your daughter, you know? Uh, Chris said he came to each and every one of us and apologized. He worked hard on a year and a half. You know, we would be in the desert away during the pandemic. And he was always, he always made sure he was there and showed he could step up. And I'm like, you fuck nuts. You live in the fucking best place on Palm Springs. You all go to the, and it's a pandemic. You're not supposed to go anywhere. Of course, it's easy not to cheat when there's a pandemic. Of course, he's going to want to be there with you guys when you have chefs running nonstop and the coolest shit and the places, the best pools, all of that. Of course, he's going to be around with you guys. Do you want more kids, Chloe? Yes. With Tristan? Yes. Um, Where are you in your surrogacy journey? And she's like, it's a long, tedious process. Uh, You know, we had one that fell through and there's so many tests. I'm still on this journey. We'll see how it goes. And then Andy goes, what is the status with you and Jordan Woods? And Chloe says, I don't talk to her, but she seems like she's doing really good in her personal life. And Andy goes, why didn't you give Jordan the same pass you did to Tristan? And she's like, I I, I like this question. The narrative isn't um, funny. The narrative isn't fun to spread. I don't have a grudge against Tristan. You know, I... I Believe people grow and learn. People make mistakes. And how could I forgive Tristan and not forgive Jordan? I have to forgive these people for me or I would be a prisoner in my own life. I have to grow and learn. Uh, Kylie, Jordan was a huge part of your life. Did you talk about everything that went down, Andy asked? And Kylie says, yes, we did have a conversation when we were friends. We never thought we would be in this situation. We never thought we wouldn't be friends. This happened. It was an overnight thing. When she did something to my family, she did something to me. Andy goes, Did she apologize to you ever, Chloe? And Chloe goes, No. And uh, then Andy goes, Do you think she'll ever be invited back to the inner c- circle? And Chloe goes, I told Kylie, I don't care if she wants to be her friend again. My sisters matter more to me. Than any grudge and if i'm going to allow tristan in my life then why would i not extend that to other people as well but then kim steps in and goes I, you know i'm going to keep this real tristan has a kid with chloe we will always be in tristan's life tristan will always be in our lives there is a child involved but that is not the same with jordan and so i would not choose to spend any of my free time with that girl if shit goes down i'm sorry if there was a baby involved, it would be a different story. I love that Kim kept it real. And that really does. Think about how much time... Think about, like, your lives and how much time you have. There is not an infinite amount of time. There's finite amount of time. So are you going to fill that with people that, that have wronged you? When you get older, it becomes a different story, you know? Andy asks, uh, did, uh, did Jordan ever write you that letter? She said she was going to write you. And uh, we find out, no, she did not. And... Um, Kylie says, this experience of this show has brought me closer to my sisters, and I didn't realize I always had the best friends I ever I ever needed right here. And uh they all go, We tried to tell you, and all the trust issues and heartbreak make me makes me appreciate you guys on a different different level. And Kim says, the one thing I took away from this whole experience, we are so lucky to have an awesome life. We were so blessed to have found each other in this life, to have all of this, to have our babies together. Kindle says a lot of people don't get to say that, you know, a lot of people don't get to be around their families like this. And we all know exactly what we're experiencing. We're all going through the same things. And it helps so much to have all of these ladies. Um, Court says something, but it makes no sense. Uh, And then Andy's like,
2: Scott, what about you? And he goes, I learned, you know, what you need to respect in life, you know, to have a good life.
1: And Chloe says, you don't know who to trust, but we can always trust and rely on each other. Keep your circle small. We sometimes let people in, but it's rare. And Kendall says, I consider myself a realist. I love honesty, and sometimes I'm brutally honest. So this false narrative, it it's frustrated me. So tonight was amazing, Andy, that we got to ag- address some of these uncomfortable questions. Um, and Andy says, it's unusual how much of a... Uh, swirl goes around you guys so this is the end They uh, Andy goes let's toast with some 818 tequila which is Kindles tequila company and Chris cries and goes I wouldn't want to do this with
2: anyone else you know with my daughters
1: and then they do the shot and Andy goes is that the smoothest tequila or what Andy did a little ass kissy right here uh, Andy says it's really good and then we hear Courtney says this little, I don't know if anybody caught this. She goes, For good luck, I just had a tiny sip. And I'm like, What does that mean? Does that mean just Courtney doesn't drink? Or does that mean Courtney's pregnant and shouldn't drink? I don't know. Who knows? That was the end of that. We are on to our guest now, where we have a conversation about the Kardashians, but about pop culture in general. We get to talk so much pop culture culture stuff, Emily Yar from the Washington Post, entertainment reporter. She is so flippin' talented, you guys. You can get a digital subscription to the Washington Post for even like as low as a dollar. So I would really strongly suggest you do that because there are just so many amazing entertainment articles alone, let, let alone the world, about the world. You can learn so much from the printed word. I've always had a, such a great respect for that. There is a little bit of a sound issue I tried to take out, but it sometimes sounds at, at times like there is a um uh a weird so it only happens here and there uh but please i think it is worth um you know sitting through that because i think just emily is just brilliant so ladies and gentlemen the washington post emily yar um i am so excited for our next guest you know this is you know i'm i'm a silly guy you know obviously i'm a, i'm i'm brilliant we all know that but i'm basically silly so but our next guest has like kind of my dream job she uh gets to talk to just some amazing people that I am huge, uh, that are heroes in my books in my estimations. And, uh, she, she gets to put this down on paper and she's one of the best entertainment writers out there. I am a huge fan of this next person. And I was lucky enough to be asked to, uh, to, uh, there was a quote of mine in, in an article she wrote about the ending of the Kardashians. Um, and I just, uh, I had, that was a bucket list I talked to you guys about it repeatedly the the article was called the Kardashians is ending the Kardashians will never go away Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Kardashians today and the ending of keeping up with the Kardashians plus I need to ask about like a boatload of other things so let's just get into it Emily Yard thank you so much for being here by the way she writes for the Washington Post I left that out how are you Emily
0: I'm good how are you
1: I'm excellent. I'm excellent. Thank you so much for doing this. I told my dad uh, that I was talking to somebody from the Washington Post today and he was like, well, look at you. Like, finally, I felt pride from the man. You know, he was like, look at you. Just he's like of those the reality show stuff. I'm like, yes, he's going to talk to me about reality shows.
0: Um, Well, that's so nice to hear. Usually, you know, when I tell people I write for the Washington Post, they (laughs) start to, um, profusely thank me for all the political reporting. And I'm always like, well, I have absolutely nothing to do with that, (laughs) but thank you for being interested in what I cover about celebrities and reality TV. Cause really that's, you know, all I ever want to talk about.
1: I I guess like uh, I've got so many questions, but I just want to point out the obvious that while we talk right now, supposedly Britney Spears is giving a she's in a court uh, hearing, potentially. I think she's doing it over Skype or Zoom or something. But we should hear later on today, if not sooner, what actually happens in that. Are you are you covering that story at all for the post?
0: Um, I'm not covering it. A colleague of mine is, um, but I've written a lot about Brittany. I wrote a big story about her a couple years ago, um, kind of when the Free Brittany uh, hashtag was ramping up again, and there was that podcast that had the voicemail that said she was like yeah. against her will, and um, all this stuff. So it's been a really crazy story to cover. So I really cannot wait. I think yeah, it's, it's like in an hour or so. Um, I just can't imagine her like speaking publicly about any of this. So I am so intrigued to hear.
2: Um, Yeah.
1: I mean, to me, it's like one of those apex of pop culture stories, just like the Kardashians, where it it hits so many different things, not just, you know, you got music, you got business, you got the law, you have all of these things converging. And especially it's very intense coming out of a pandemic, I feel. And I feel like this is like, we need this win. Like if we could just get some movement on this free Britney case, you know,
0: I I don't know how the Internet is going to handle it, frankly, just because there has been so much (laughs) anticipation and just People want her to say something, and if you look at her Instagram, you know people, yeah, like have all these conspiracy theories about what she's really saying. Yes. Now she's yes. really gonna say something, so I cannot even. Imagine.
1: I, I just I her Instagram is like the Da Vinci code like I mean someday we'll just realize like oh I was just hitting buttons I didn't mean anything but to us we're so I mean that, I think that's the internet culture that the Kardashians kind of rode that wave of there's this whole other life online and I think we saw it this week a little bit with the Tristan Thompson Chloe Kardashian announcement that they are splitting up and we were like, oh, my God, good, good. That's great. That's good news. But then we were like, well, the second part of the Kardashian reunion aired on Sunday. This news got dropped on Monday. Is this another Chris Jenner is working harder than the devil meme? You know, like, isn't that weird that we all think that? No, it's true. I mean, that's kind of the first place my mind goes if
0: I see a certain tabloid story or um, you know, a strangely timed TMZ post. And I see it, it like attributed to a source. I'm like, well, that's obviously Chris Jenner. Um, even <laughs> though on the reunion, she tried to deny that. She's like, I don't have time to give quotes to everyone. I was like, he hmm, said, I, I
1: wouldn't even know who to call. And I'm like, I know who to call. How do you not know who to call? Um, uh, le- before we get deeper into this, I want to take it back really like what made you want to be a reporter in the first place? How do you even get into this line of work?
0: Um, I always really loved writing when I was younger. I always, I thought I wanted to write books. Um, And then as I got older and realized uh, journalism existed, that kind of combined my two favorite things of just writing, but also learning people's stories and talking to people. So that's really the only thing I've ever wanted to do. And and I was lucky enough uh, right out of college to get a job as an assistant at The Post um, working for our TV columnist, Lisa DeMauris. And she was great. I mean, she covered kind of more of the business side of the industry. Um, and I was always so fascinated by that. So yeah, again, I just feel like the timing was really lucky that I've gotten to do that. And and um, in 2014, yeah, I was named our pop culture reporter. And so I cover everything from TV to music, movies to celebrities. And it's, I
1: mean mean, pop pop culture is my my that's just where, where I live and I've always lived as a kid so to be able to talk about it on this podcast is such a dream come true for me but like why pop culture for you why is that where you landed and did you always have a special place in your heart for movies films tv music all of that
0: yeah I always really did and I think what's so interesting about it and I get this again a lot at the post as a place that is known for its you know political and um reporting and things like that, um, you know, a comment I get on a lot of my stories is like, well, who cares about this? But it's just so (laughs) crazy to me because that is something that everyone does. Everyone watches TV, everyone reads books, everyone goes to movies, everyone listens to music. So just the thought that that it's kind of um, disregarded by some people is like not a serious thing to cover is really funny to me when I cannot get enough of learning about Um, this business and how it works and how it impacts people. So
1: yeah, I just always love covering it. Yeah. I I get frustrated that because people, I don't want to say ignorance, but there is this blind eye to how much pop culture actually moves the world. And I would argue that one of our greatest exports as our country is, is entertainment. Like that really is where I feel like we sometimes are still number one is our export of pop culture. We make these stars like Britney and the Kardashians. And I mean, just so much good stuff comes out of our, quote unquote art, but even on the business side of things, the deeper I get into this, I mean, we even saw in this past couple of uh, months, you know, we have the Erica Jane case, we have the Jen Shaw case. If you go into reality shows that covers a legal aspect, like we have like all these Bravo meme makers learning about the law right now, just to just to make memes. Isn't that crazy? It is wild.
0: And yeah, it's so, it's so essential too. I mean, I think it's just also interesting because pop culture really is a reflection of like what we as society and people value. And, um, so I think it's kind of dangerous almost to, to write that off as, as just fluff or something not serious. Cause again, there's so much you can learn and so much I've learned, um, just about humanity by, you know, covering this, this topic. Um,
1: so you guys, I freaked out when I was, uh, uh, reading everything that Emily ever wrote, which took me years, but it, it was, uh, you guys, one of the the things she has written recently is about, uh, you guys know, one of my favorites is Garth Brooks. Now, Garth Brooks, I just, like, I've always liked his music, but, you know, I'm like, you know, he's just an icon, but I never was, like, uh, obsessive. And then somebody sent me a clip of Garth Brooks joining Facebook for the first time. And he was in a hotel room by himself. It looked, like, dimly lit. And he was like, I guess it's official. I joined Facebook. And he, he treated it like it was the, he, you know, he... You, you wrote in your article, the man potentially teared up six times during the interview itself. But that's what I love about him because he was so he was like, I want to post cool stuff on here, slick stuff, meaningful stuff. And I was like, this guy treats everything like it is the number one thing in his life, and I think that is so inspirational. and And I loved you were writing about him at the uh, the inauguration, and he wasn't there as a political move; he was there as a unifier between uh, all sides of this this past four years potentially. And I thought that was like a really beautiful sentiment. But I got to ask, what is it like talking to the man himself?
0: Um, it was surreal. Um, yeah, like you said, and I, and I wrote in the story that he teared up six times. Um, it probably was a little more than that, honestly. And <laughs> I kind of knew from watching him and seeing his performances that he, he cries a lot in public. At, yeah. You know, whatever he you saw, if if you saw the um, Kennedy Center Honor broadcast, he cried, I think, at every single tribute song someone did. But it's a lot different when you're just sitting across from him in a room to um first process <laughs> that you're talking to garth brooks and then process that he's crying. trying <laughs> um it was great i mean he really is no I, I i write a lot about country music and he's always been known as the nicest guy in nashville like when you talk to people behind the scenes in country music you hear so much dirt and i don't know like stories you, sometimes you wish you hadn't heard about people but garth brooks i've literally never heard a bad word about him so we it need, was
1: kind of wild. I feel like we need those people in pop culture where like and and like I I love that he tears up that many times because also I I feel that it's genuine. You feel that it's really coming from the man and I I love an overly sense. I'm an overly sensitive dude. So I'm like, oh my God, that's amazing. And just the seriousness with which he treats everything. I was like, that's so refreshing in this day and age, because then you have the potential antithesis of this, where you have a heavily guarded Kardashian clan where they are. I, I mean, we do get to see aspects of their life, but when I was talking to you for that article, I said, you know, a lot of their life is Shakespearean, but we don't really get to see a lot of it on the actual show. And uh, what was it like for you watching that two part reunion? Um, are you allowed to say what your opinion of that, that, that was?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, um, I actually found it pretty interesting. I mean, there is a part of them. Yeah. That will always be very guarded. So even when I feel like they're be- being really honest about something, you know, like Kim saying, like the one regret she has is the sex tape Her saying she wish she had only been married once and yeah. saying yeah. these deeply personal things. I'm like, I, instinctually, I'm still kind of shocked by that, because she's so famous, and she's saying things so publicly that are pretty private, but then again, it kind of goes through a filter in my head of, okay, like, this is clearly all, like, she planned that she was going to say this, like, we're never really going to know what she really thinks, Um, I don't know, I thought I thought Indy Cohen did a pretty good job of covering a lot of topics, I mean, there was so much to cover, I feel like he kind of barely scratched the surface, but overall, I
1: I, was I wish they had done that much earlier with that format of the Bravo reunion format, because I did think we got a lot out of it, but you're right. Like, I mean, we even got a Taiga question from Kylie. Like, mm-hmm. what was it like, you know, do you, are you still friendly with Taiga? which I thought was fascinating, but I guess the, you know, we got a lot, but at the same time, there was so much more to get and you still felt that there was that potential kind of wall up, which I think is, kind of a Kardashian brand thing of having that, that wall between us and them. Uh, So we got a lot, but you kind of just got fascinated because you knew there was so much more. Like I felt there was like this underlying tension between Courtney and Kim. You feel these relationships where you saw Chloe, especially where, She admitted, you guys, that, uh, you know, she's been through confidence battles. She was very confident before the show. uh, And now, most recently, she's in a non-confident period. But then they even had a whole section where they were all praising Tristan. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, um, the way they opened up about, especially about the relationships, um, I thought I was kind of fascinated by, especially about Chris Humphreys, which I didn't think I cared about as much anymore. But it turns out I really do, because I was, like, completely riveted through that whole thing of Kim talking about how she realized when she saw his like gigantic shoes everywhere that she was just like, I can't do this anymore. Um, and that's just like a small detail. there, like, Oh, that's what that feels like. So relatable. like I totally get why, why she thought that way. So yeah, I kind of liked that. They were so open to talking about everything, even though you could kind of tell like when Andy was asking Kim about, you know, the dating rumors with like Van Jones, and Maluma, she kind of shut that down immediately. So that was all he was going to get from there.
1: Yeah, no, it was, it's, they're, they're very uh, media trained, you can tell, you know, and uh, I mean, I guess this is even the most we've gotten out of Kindle um, in in a long time, but there were other questions. I just wish, you know, there was like, I, I would have loved to have heard Kindle's take on the the Pepsi uh, debacle with her, you know, some of her product launches, I feel have been troubled and I would have loved to know more about that. And I guess it's, it's more of, I think once you get into pop culture, if you, the deeper you get into it, the more fascinated you get with the business side of things where it's like, I I get, we still have Chris Jenner as this elusive, uh, you know, matriarch of this family that we don't, I don't really see. I don't really feel like we've ever seen the real Chris Jenner.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially yeah during something like this. I mean, I think she's probably too savvy to ever to ever really open up in any way. And maybe I, get, I mean he asked a little bit about about Caitlin and that and that whole process. So that was um, that was sort of interesting to look back at that even though God it was like years ago at this point. But yeah, I never really sensed that we're we're really getting too much from her. Uh, but you're right. I would have loved to hear him ask about the Pepsi commercial um because i felt like he hit on so many like huge stories
1: and that one was over. yeah well we, we we started the the first question he asked was like i was so happy out of the gate that he said why end right now when you're you're potentially just going to another platform which i think he was referencing the hulu deal and so i was so excited because i wanted to know that answer and It was a non-answer. She said, well, Kim said 20 years sounded good. And I was like, okay, but what about the second part of this question of going to Hulu? I still, do you know any information of what this is? Because I still am confused of why do, it's like Elton John doing his Yellow Brick Road Farewell Tour for eight years. Like you keep saying it's your last one and then you just move it to somewhere, a a different venue. Yeah, at
0: the NBC Universal Upfronts, sorry about the noise outside, um, I believe they said there'll be a it'll be another show they didn't really give any details um, it, they were sort of like it'll be like a continuation of what we've been doing but also completely <laughs> different so basically yeah another non-answer but yeah just kind of like oh if there's all this fanfare and then they're just going to do another show on Hulu like yeah I don't, I don't know what they're planning.
1: Um, How do you, uh, as a reporter, um, kind of, uh, I guess I have the privilege of watching these shows and being able to be passionately for or against somebody. And I can, I'll, I'll, I think sometimes even with the housewives, one of the things is like uh, hating a housewife is just as valid as loving one. I feel like it's the same kind of, and I can say that on this show, I can do that, but you have to, you, you're not allowed to really say your personal, personal opinions. Can you, or that would get in the way of reporting?
0: Right. Yeah. Usually, um, for the most part, I yeah do kind of just straight news, like, and ask, you know, you always want to be very objective and everything like that. I mean, with um, writing features and writing about pop culture, I think you can get away with being, like, a little bit voicier sometimes. I mean, I think sometimes, um, you know, based on what I write, like, you can probably tell how I feel about something, especially from any reality show, you know, even when I'm writing about, I do a lot of, like, reality singing competitions and... <laughs> like maybe it's obvious that i like clearly knew this person was going to win or something like that Same with dancing with the stars um but yeah with with this we don't i don't really have a chance to um yeah kind of write more of an op-ed or, or say how you know i really feel or give my opinion about something but so most of the time it's kind of nice too because i'm like okay no one cares about what i think about this just like <laughs> is happening like people are just interested in, interested in what is happening on this page. It makes it a little easier
1: Well, I mean, speaking of uh, competition shows or dating shows, I just saw the wildest preview today. I don't know if you see, do you know what I'm about to say? It's called Wild Beasts on Netflix. (laughs) And it's a dating show, you guys, where they dress up like furry creatures. So like the looks are taken out of it. Like, how desperate are we for content? Like, I mean, did you, you've seen this? I mean, isn't it, I mean, I'm going to watch every episode, like there's no doubt, but isn't that mind blowing that we're, we're, we've reached this point?
0: I, I have not watched the, the actual, was there a trailer? Cause I saw the yeah, like the photo yeah. or maybe the first still of it. And I saw the description and I was just, I had a big story publishing this morning. I was like, I i am not in a place where I can handle this right now. Like I have to come back to this later. Yeah, you,
1: I just, dude, just don't do it before you go to sleep either. Dude, it's, it's going to keep you up. Like it's an, a one minute and 19 second preview and it is. I mean, it looked they put a lot of money into this, but I'm just like, wow, like this, every time I thought like, wouldn't this be a cool idea? Like, and then you're like, no, that's silly. Obviously none of these ideas are silly. And like, you can go anywhere these days.
0: Yeah. I saw um, like tweets about like, is Netflix okay? Or like, does Netflix, is it possibly too much money? Like maybe, which I really agree with that sentiment um, after seeing this. I mean, it seems like a combination of kind of like the masked singer, but then Mr. Personality, I don't know if it was, this was this reality show hosted, I believe by Monica Lewinsky, like years ago, and would like wear masks and then yeah, so. At least it was on Fox. An offshoot of that, yeah, on Fox. Um, Um, I don't know how to handle any of this.
1: Well, you just wrote an article on the Bachelor franchise as well in regards to potential rate the Rachel Lindsay uh, New Yorker um, article that was just written, um, which we just had yesterday her coming out and saying, you know, the headline was uh, deceptive that you used, even though I'm very proud of the article, which I thought really was a, a good article. But the Bachelor franchise really is at a precipice in like terms of where do you go from here? Because I think this year, uh, I could be mistaken, but it has has kind of peeled back the layers of it's not um like the quote unquote basic bitch or being ignorant is not um you know we can't really lean on that as much as we have in years past and i think that's where the bachelor franchise lived for a while but we're pushing past that do you think the bachelor really can continue as a viable franchise and grow
0: i think it can just because it it is such a habit ingrained in so many people and it has been for so long but I think major changes kind of have to be made. Like at this point, you know, it, it's not really, I mean, I found this, it's just not as fun to watch anymore when you kind of see behind the scenes of how things really worked. Um, You know, the more contestants that are coming forward to talk about their
1: experiences, it's like
0: pretty upsetting actually.
1: So yeah, you guys, this past Monday's episode, they had this like Nick Vial came on and they had this group setting where it was like all like a black stage. And it was just all these chairs and they wanted stories from the men of times that they ghosted women or times that they, and it was all these guys were crying and it was really unsettling. Uh, I mean, it was. The, I'm not talking about the stories themselves, but it was unsettling when you then pair that with a uh, "We're gonna kick you in the nuts" in this next section. You know, <laughs> like it, it, it's the balance is off.
0: Yeah, that's what I've sort of found. Um, because I get that they want to bring you know more serious stories to light, and like these contestants do have a platform to talk about certain things. But at some point, it just yeah, it does kind of feel like exploitative, um, right? Especially if then they follow it up with some like ridiculous thing that doesn't really fit that tone. So I think they've like been trying to take some steps. I hope they figure it out, but yeah, in this climate right now, like they, something definitely needs to, to change with that.
1: So. When I think with we, we saw the Chris Harrison, um, uh, you know, he is released from his contract, supposedly he got a eight or $9 million payday. Um, but uh, you know, they do move on from these things. It is just interesting to see how a show can grow. And I feel like you can make a direct line from that to uh, Bravo or even the Kardashians with whatever their next iteration is, is that we see that with Bravo of, they're in a uh, a moment where there's a lot of growth or or growing pains potentially by you know they seem to have this format of bringing um you know uh Ebony Williams on New York or uh Crystal Minkoff on Beverly Hills and they do this heavy lifting of having to teach about race and ethnicity to ladies that potentially I don't know it's just a very interesting thing I'm all for these uncomfortable conversations but I think you know I keep saying I just wanted to lead them to eventually I think Tiffany Moon has so much housewife in her that we've never been able to see because she's trying to teach about her ethnicity and stuff. And it's a weird weight to put on these ladies
0: and it feels like Bravo has heard that um kind of criticism and has been listening. I mean, you I was really surprised actually last summer with all the Vanderpump rules. um, you know, firing firings. I yeah. just would not have expected that to happen. So, yeah, I'm also really curious to see how they kind of, um, transform and adjust. Um, yeah, just to this era and where it goes from here.
1: Yeah. Um, so the Kardashians, whatever their next move is, I mean, uh, I was kind of thinking what I tweeted at the final Kardashians. I was like, and then we never heard from them ever again. Cause I thought it would have been amazing if they all pulled JD Salinger's and they, we just, they kept their money and they went off and lived these happy lives. But what do you think about it is about the Kardashians and I guess the world at large where it is, there is no uh stop sign. There is no off. Like we, we never stop. Like it feels like they will never stop. And, and is that because Fame is that addictive. I mean, you see it on smaller scales with like housewives uh, not getting asked back to the show, and then they're just desperate. They're putting out like, "I've got a new girlfriend," "I've got this," and I don't know this this quest for fame, which I feel really is associated with the Kardashians. I don't know. I feel like sometimes it can overtake them to the point where, like, I I can't imagine they're living real lives sometimes.
0: Yeah, it just might. It must be such a mind trip to to live through that. And I think one really interesting thing about the special was when um, I think Kendall maybe said it, but just about how her and Kylie were kind of like born into this. So they never had a chance to experience life like any other way. I was like, oh, I want to hear more about that. Just because, yeah, they were like so young when the show started. And I can't imagine what it would be like to just live your life on camera from the time you were a kid. And partly, I think that's why um, the Kardashians will just going forever. Like you said, there is no stop sign just because there are physically so many of them. And there's just, yeah,
1: I mean, <laughs> <laughs> if we, it, it's like Taylor Swift's fan base and the Kardashian kids. If we can pull them together as some kind of army, we're going to be fine. But it it is this, uh, I mean, you think about like, uh, somebody like Northwest or Mason and Penelope Courtney's kids, they really have been born into this even more so than Kylie and Kindle, And you do wonder of like how that affects a human brain, of, you know, like Kylie, I mean, at some point somebody's going to, you know, have to tell her like, hey, you know, not everybody buys new Lamborghinis every week, you know, <laughs> like it's, it's, they're used to some, their human experience is so different than any of us. So it's so weird that we take our cues from them on how to like dress and act.
0: You know, I don't think the Kardashians would have been successful as they are. Um, I think I've always had the sister aspect of the show was was very, very compelling just because that's something that, you know, no matter how rich you are, or no, no matter how you live your life, um, you can really relate to like the family element. And I think that was, whether if they did this intentionally or not, so smart of them to double down on the like, we're a family, we're a family. They even came up, you know, during the reunion because it's true because it just, it gives them a different kind of relationship. And I just don't think people would care as much if it, it weren't people who
1: were all related yeah, like any good in a reality show or entertainment needs like a foundation. And that's why I think like we were fascinated a little bit with Real Housewives of Salt Lake City because it had religion as a foundation. So like these serious things that we know in our lives, we all recognize. So at least we have that point to like, you know, like you said, hold a mirror up to oneself. But uh, I mean, almost It's funny. Rob Kardashian almost comes out like a folk hero because he kind of escaped these, you know, it's like, I don't know. Sometimes I, you know, Rob is just like, wow, he's just non-existent in this world. And it's probably just because he's lazy, who knows? But like, in my head, I'm like, he purposely let himself go potentially. So he doesn't have to do this whole game, you know? Mm
0: -hmm. That his story, I remember, I mean, it's, it's been so sad, but then, you know, I was kind of glad for a while. I was like, okay, it seems like he's not doing well. I'm glad he's been able to kind of escape this and do his own thing. And then he kind of came back. So Yeah, I was um, glad, I kind of was wondering if he would be involved with the reunion. I guess it makes sense that he wasn't, but I was glad that Andy still brought him up to be like, oh yes, there is another member of this family. We, We want an update on how he's doing.
1: And in the second reunion, you guys, we had Scott uh, Disick come out, and you know he was like,
2: "I don't know, I, you know, I, I look young, and that's why these ladies, I don't know, you know."
1: He he does the whole song and dance where we sympathize with him, and he's an attractive man. So we, I guess, uh, everybody's so sympathetic. It shows how we treat men in this country is that we are so willing to forgive them over any of the other ladies. Even with this Chloe Tristan thing, you get like I always see on Twitter, people will be like well, Chloe, Chloe's ruined other, uh, Chloe, the way Chloe treated Jordan. I'm like, can we like one issue at a time? This man is obvious. Like, I, I feel like we give men so many escape, escape plans, you know, like it's, it's, and it always falls back on the ladies, but I thought the Scott thing was fascinating because he came out and we finally got the first acknowledgement of Kravis, of courtney kardashian and travis barker and i gotta tell you scott looked intense it looked like like a mad max kind of thing you know
0: yeah that was um i got i forgot about scott um during that almost because that made me i mean i was a little uncomfortable honestly during that part um because you're right he was not like there were a couple of jokes but he was like very serious as he was talking about these things especially when andy was asking like do you do they do courtney and travis have your blessing like does god have courtney's blessing and i was like this is so awkward i should have to do this like can you guys maybe go do this somewhere else but yeah that part um that that
1: was a little too much for me no it was but it 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 struck me as real like because we we saw him kind of like staring intensely and he's like ah just want to kill him you know like he says it under his breath and everybody's like kind of i don't know the the even the kardashians themselves i don't believe in a kardashian curse which they talked about on the second part of the reunion but what i do believe is almost like a you know the women in that family could be gods if it weren't for the men they choose like i feel like that's their one business deal they always fail at is the men that they choose because you know, it's like they almost set themselves up for failure sometimes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was glad that came up, and I forget who said it, but they're like they've like the men also have gone on to like you know win basketball championships or Super Bowls or something like that. I don't know if they actually won those, but I was like, yeah, it's not the women who are like bringing them down. I would say, if anything, it's kind of the the inverse of that—not that they like bring them down, but just cause so yeah. many yeah. Like, issues and so much drama, which. Maybe is good
1: for the show, but I don't know how. Yeah, how good it is for them, which they kind of got it. Um. So as we we start wrapping up a little bit here, uh, the streaming services to me, I get really fascinated with just because I mean the pandemic, we were just watching everything and anything, and I'm I get so overwhelmed but excited. Like right now, I am so deeply in love with HBO Max like I wish I just wish their rewind feature was I wish I wish some of their features were better but their content I just devour anything and everything and of course Netflix is you know amazing as well but you know Hulu becomes involved and um I think it was a potentially really smart decision once again I don't know why but I theorize that uh, maybe E wouldn't uh, negotiate a contract that was worthy of the Kardashians and streaming service, you know Netflix or even Hulu will throw all the money in the world because it's just it's it's content and it's a name that they can promote out there. It doesn't even matter if we watch it. Is that what is your theory on why move to a streaming service if you're the Kardashians?
0: Yeah, that was kind of my take too. I assumed it had something to do with the contract at E. Um, or they just wanted maybe just to have more control, even though it does seem like they have like pretty much control over the show now. Um, yeah, I think they probably see that this is where the future is going. Um, the ratings, if you, if you look at the broadcast TV ratings, obviously they've taken a very sharp dive, um, since, since the height of the show, which I think was in maybe season four. So, yeah, I think it's just, again, probably Chris Jenner, like, being able to sort of have this crystal ball into the future and being, okay, this is clearly, like, where the future is headed permanently. Like, it's probably time to end our broadcast TV association, which is probably where not the majority of the people even see their content.
1: Well, I mean, you just did a great article on uh, Conan O'Brien and his, uh, you know, tomorrow or tonight or tomorrow night is his last uh, show over on TBS. And I'm a huge fan of uh, Mr. O'Brien uh, and you interviewed so many amazing people for that article. I mean, like, how long were you working on that article?
0: <laughs> um, this was took up a lot of the last few weeks. Um, I knew I wanted to do something about the end of Conan because it's been 28 years on Late Night. And I feel like some people might have forgotten his show is, is still on because it is on TBS, which, you know, doesn't get the same amount of viewership, even though he's very popular online. Um, so, yeah, I just reached out to a bunch of former writers and his best celebrity guests. And I was honestly shocked by the number of responses I got like I got a very last minute like from Paul Rudd, like, yes, he'd love to talk. And I was like, oh, okay, great. Like I'm you know, not expecting some of the celebrities, but I think it's just a testament to how much they love Conan and how much he's to them. And like some of the stories I heard from people, I thought I thought it would be a lot of funny stories. And there definitely was a lot of celebrities that kind of got emotional talking about him and and you how he gave them, you know, their first shot as a comedian, like on the couch or things like that. So yeah, that was a really fun one to work on.
1: Yeah. CNN just had this uh, six part uh, documentary, the history of late night, which I thought was so, I've always just as a kid been so enamored with late night hosts, but you know, Conan got put through the ringer, but I only brought that up in regards to the Kardashians because there was somebody that on TBS, his ratings were supposedly declining, but then his online presence was so strong where it's like, almost it doesn't matter what the viewership is on the actual show it's all online, which I was like, that's kind of the Kardashians. People were like, why would they turn down an hour commercial on basic Cape or on, on E when it's like, well, that doesn't matter. They can go to Hulu and they still will have that online presence. They will still be able to take clips from that show, push it out on Twitter and Instagram and sell their products that way. But I, I feel like that is the play because Conan to me is a legend, regardless of any kind of rating that he's going out on.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the important thing too, that I forgot to mention is that Um, I mean, truly, I don't think the Kardashians also would be as huge without TV. I think if if from the beginning they just posted on social media or on YouTube or streaming, um, there really is no platform like, um, I think, broadcast or cable television, which is something people overlook a lot these days. It's like, who watches TV? But um, a lot of people still do. And I think that is a critical reason um, why they became so big. But I think once you're at that level, the Kardashians are. Or even, you know, Conan, who just, like, wants to try something new after 30 years. Um, yeah, streaming makes sense. But really,
1: they do owe everything to television. Um, So, uh, yeah. I just as a person, like, who was the... Like, was there a time when you were the most... Was there a person you were the most nervous to talk to besides me? Was there, like... <laughs> I mean, I know, like... I mean, I hear Paul Rudd, and I was like, ugh. Like, I I get... It would be so nerve-wracking. To, and, like, Garth Brooks, I just... These people you talk to... I mean, you had to have like worked up to be able to do this or you have you always been extremely chill?
0: No, I um, was extremely nervous in the beginning and actually weirdly the first celebrity, big celebrity profile I wrote for the post was for Conan. I um, mean, this was five years ago. Um, I actually went um, to LA for a couple of days and spent two days on his set. And I, I was, that was probably the most nervous I've ever been just because I'd never done a story like that before. Um, and I think it was kind of similar with Garth Brooks, just these people that I've, you know, like, watched Conan's show, like, listened to Garth Brooks music for so long. It's, again, very surreal that you're talking to them, even though it's for your job and you're, like, armed with all this research and, like, you have this story. Um, but, luckily, okay, both of them, I think, yeah, both are the kind of people where it makes sense that they're as famous as they are because they completely set you at ease, like, the moment you meet with them. And they do have that thing where you feel like, oh, they are actually interested in me and what I'm saying. Like, not all famous people you know, <laughs>
1: I mean, that's it's, one of my favorite movies is Almost Famous. You know, I mean, that's uh, you're like the kid in Almost Famous. Now, uh, If you could pitch a, a story right now where you'd be able to have access to the Kardashians, what would be like the number one story that you would love to write with uh, if they if they said, OK, we'll do anything. What, what would you be fascinated with to uh, to write a piece about? Oh, that's a great question.
0: Thank I you. Think, um, <laughs> just because it came up so much during special I think if I could just like follow the Kardashian kids around all day, like, you know, with their nannies or with you know, their parents too. But just to see what that's like. Cause understandably that's not a side you see a lot because like they deserve privacy for sure. But if yeah, there was any way just to see like what that what their lives are like, um, I think um that would just be really fascinating because again, I can't even wrap my mind around around that of being born into a family like this. And um, yeah, so I think that's like something a lot of people would be curious about, although I also respect their privacy, their children, um, but it just it must be crazy. <laughs>
1: I think the, the, it's different than like, I imagine Garth Brooks kids. Uh, we, we've heard Garth Brooks kids on, uh, I watched a documentary where I think his daughter is a singer songwriter as well. And that must be like immense pressure, but I wonder what it like, like a Kardashian kid. It's like, you can't live up to the music of the Kardashians. Like, what do you live up to? Is it just like a, a beauty standard? But I think that's, what's kind of weirdly beautiful about that family is that it's, You know, we're, yeah, like they said on the special, well, they're TV stars, but it's still an anomaly in this weird pop culture universe that this happened. I mean, I feel like right place, right time, we might not have ever seen anything like this, yet it really does have a stranglehold on so much of pop culture today.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I think it will it will just um you know continue. I-, I was shocked when I did that story on them to add up all of their Instagram followers and realize they had like a billion combined. So I just think there's kind of an endless appetite for this. Um they still, even though you know people still make fun of them, like they they just still have such a passionate fan base who really want to know everything they're going through. And I think that'll be good, you
1: know. Um last question what is your uh what should we watch out for on the pop culture landscape what do you have your eye on right now is there something that we need to be watching seeing listening to is there anything fascinating about to break do you have a a spotlight story pop culture thing that you're about to break which i always i always dream about like the newsroom of like we need a <laughs> pop culture story that wins a pulitzer we need it yeah. you know <laughs> okay well
0: this one um well, I actually am working on one that I'm very excited about. That's reality TV themes that I probably can't talk about yet. But I will say this might be a weird answer, but a story that I'm so intrigued to see how will play out is actually who the new Jeopardy host will be. Because we're probably going to get that, I think, in August. Or, you know, they have to, like, before the new season starts. So, again, I don't know. Like, I just have been so, um, I just been really enjoying, like, all the tryouts. And, like, Aaron Rodgers, like, I found hilarious. I'm so excited for LeVar Burton. Like, I just can't wait to see what happens.
1: I w- I was visiting my I was visiting my parents and we w- they watch it every night and uh, I was my MB Alec actually did good too. I mean I, I was like I it was it's such a nice to me that is Americana Jeopardy. I was like it is important that it goes on. I love Alex Trebek, I will you know always uh, give it up to Alec Trebek. But the Jeopardy show itself, I, it's one of those American traditions that I, I do really want to see it survive and thrive. So it is exciting that they do this. You're totally right. Um, and how intimidating was it for you to meet an up uh, like a young startup like myself, reporter? Was this intimidating for you at all?
0: this was intimidating just because, you know, so much about like everything TV. And I was like, oh my God, what if you find out like a certain show is my blind spot? Like, will this, will my reputation recover? I'm not sure. But, um, no, this was great. I really appreciate you asking me to be on. Um,
1: No, Emily, I could talk to you for hours, but, um, uh, hopefully if this goes good for you, you'll come on again because I really do respect. And you guys, she even wrote, she wrote an article on Bennifer 2.0 a couple of weeks. I mean, these, she writes about all the stuff that we love. It is worth, a digital subscription, at least to the Washington Post. Uh, You know, you go on Twitter, you can only see five free articles, then you got to start paying. But I think it really is the kind of journalism that is worth it. And it gives respect to what we do. Like we all love these things, but we got to give it up to the people that can actually put it into words. Like this is an art form and we need those people that can go out and shout that to the world, which I believe Emily does. So Emily, thank you so, so much for being here. And I just, I really do hope I talk to you again.
0: That' was so great. Thank you so much again. And I cannot
1: believe we didn't even get to benefit. I know. That's what I, I, I just hope you'll do this again because I have, I had 30, but I told you I would do 30 minutes and I just, I want to get you out of here because I know you're an important person, but I am going to make you come on again at some point, unless you block me from your email.
0: Oh no, absolutely. Anytime. Um, thank you so much. Okay.
1: Five, four,
0: th- betches.